everyone, and welcome to episode 539 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. What have you been up to this week? I have been, if I confess, been doing a bit of online shopping. Well, I bought a desk because... And it's high time I bought a desk because for the past two years, I've actually been using a makeshift desk that my partner slapped together in the garage using spare bits of wood. It was a bit wobbly. So uh, we did try to reinforce it by putting some, I don't even know what they're called, bits of wood on the side to reinforce it. Um, So it probably wasn't ideal. Anyway, I figured it was high time I finally bought a desk. As regular listeners will know, I invested in a very good chair a while back because my back was hurting several years ago and that has been a very worthwhile investment. So it's been a bit weird to have this nice quality chair with a desk that's practically been held up by sticky tape. Well, not quite sticky tape, but you know what I mean. Anyway, when I was shopping for my desk, And really, when I go online shopping in general, I suppose, I'm always amazed at how user-friendly and how non-user-friendly some sites are. We interact so much online these days. And that, as a result of that, there's been so many more writing opportunities for UX and UI writers. Now, if you're not familiar with what that stands for, it's UX is user experience and UI is user interface. So what is it? Well, UX, user user experience writing, is about guiding users on a website or an app and helping them interact with it. It's not just, it's not copywriting in the same way as, you know, writing an about page or or writing a blog post or anything like, like that. Specifically, it's writing that guides people on a user journey to achieve a result, whether that's to sign up to a service or to make a sale or some other call to action. So companies have realized that they can't just leave this to the computer programmers to write the messages that are being seen by users because it's such an important part of the customer journey. And it requires specialist writing skills to write this way. I'm seeing a lot of copywriters and content writers who want to acquire this skill. So our course in UX writing is very popular. The next one is on Friday, the 2nd of June, 2023. And if you're interested in this new growth area or just want to upskill, you can check it out at writercenter.com.au slash UX writing. In the meantime, my desk arrived. It took me forever to assemble it, but I got there in the end, but I'm kind of loving it. And one of the reasons I'm loving it, apart from the fact that it's a sit-stand desk, um, is that my cat Rocky loves it and he just loves sitting and sleeping on the desk with me. So, you know, winner. Now, we had a lovely email come through recently about our creative writing 30-day boot camp course. And it was from Bev Murrell, who has written The End on her first fiction novel. So I'm so excited for Bev that the course helped her just to keep going, really, just as motivation to get over 80,000 words. One thing that struck me in Bev's email, and thank you for taking the time to email us, Bev, really appreciate it, was this. She said, I had been writing three different books 
only one being fiction. Doing the boot camp caused me to make the decision to focus on one book at a time. So go Bev. Now, I know that we all get a bit of shiny new thing syndrome and can find ourselves wanting to work on several things at once, especially if we've got competing ideas in our head, right? You know, it's like having 35 tabs open on your browser, right? Not that any of us do that, of course. But if you're struggling to finish a project, whether that's a poem or a novel or even your renovations or even putting a desk together, try to focus on just one thing. Finish writing one novel or one story first. And then when that's done, start on the next one, because otherwise you're just going to end up with a whole bunch of unfinished things instead of something that you can actually write the end on, like Bev. So again, congratulations, Bev. And if you're keen to write the end on a manuscript, check out the Creative Writing 30-Day Bootcamp. You can find it at writercenter.com.au slash bootcamp. Now, this isn't writing instruction. It's not about technique. It's not about um, how to structure your sentences. It's about getting the words down. So it's motivation on getting the words down. All right, let's move on to our competition this week. I have three copies of Everything and Nothing by Heather Mitchell. This week's giveaway is the powerful and vulnerable memoir, Everything and Nothing, by the wonderful Australian actress, Heather Mitchell, in which she dives into her life and the experiences that impacted her on the stage, beyond the stage, and so on. And I have three copies to give away. Um, I think Heather is such an incredible actor. Um, She's currently in Love Me, which is on Foxtel, and it's co-starring Hugo Weaving. And for those of you who saw her in RBG um, playing Ruth Bader Ginsburg and a cast of thousands, she was a, was a one-woman show um, at the Sydney Theatre Company not that long ago. It was mind-blowing. Heather's fantastic. So anyway, here's the blurb. Heather Mitchell is an esteemed Australian stage and screen actor, and yet behind the scenes, her real life has taken many remarkable twists and turns. Training an unflinching spotlight on her most formative memories, Heather illuminates the heartbreaking secrets, sexual encounters, family dramas, and creative pursuits that have shaped her as a woman, an actor, and a mother. Told with raw candour and spellbinding lyricism, everything and nothing draws back the curtain on a unique and fascinating life. For your chance to win one of three copies, go to writercentre.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 22nd of May. That's writercentre.com.au slash win. And if you're at that URL in the future, don't worry, there'll be, other, there'll be some other fantastic competition for you to enter. And now... Are you ready for the word of the week? I hope so, because here it is. It is erectic. That's O-R-E-C-T-I-C, erectic. What does it mean? Well, it is an adjective and it means of or relating to desire. I quite like the sound of this word, but I did struggle to find examples of how it's been used. So this is what I've come up with. The man made erectic noises as he tucked into the 10 courses of his digger station menu. There you go, erectic. And that was the word of the week. 
podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our self-paced course, Fiction Essentials Characters, takes one of the key components of any story and helps you develop not only the main players, but your entire cast of characters. You'll discover how to seamlessly merge plot and structure, create narrative tension, shape scenes, and create believable dialogue, all with strong characters that your readers can connect with. You can even start with just a character idea and nothing else, and this course will provide you with the steps and exercises to create your entire story idea. Equally, if you have a story that's in need of some original characters, you'll be able to build them here too. Plus, because this is one of our online self-paced courses, you'll enjoy instant access and can learn at your own pace with 12 months access to all course materials. You can find out more at writercentre.com.au slash characters. That's writercentre.com.au slash characters. Now let's move on to our writer in residence this week. Today I'm talking to Ilsa Evans, who has published 16 books across a range of genres over the past 20 years, from light fiction and short stories to memoir, young adult fantasy and murder mystery. Two of her books have been shortlisted for the prestigious Davitt Awards. Her latest novel is Family Baggage. Thanks for joining us today, Elsa. Oh, my pleasure. I'm very excited to talk to you about your latest novel, Family Baggage, and about your very prolific writing career. (laughs) So many books. Um, But let's start with Family Baggage. For people who haven't got their hands on a copy yet, what is it about? Okay, so this one is a a book that was probably a bit longer in the making than most of my books. It's probably been percolating for about eight years. So it's actually about... um, uh, three sisters and um, coming together after the death of their mother to clean out her house. So it's really, I suppose, it's one of those, I, I really like when you have that juxtaposition of something quite serious, which is the mother's death, obviously, and that that, that period of grief, that you know, intense, raw grief that follows that. But at the same token, life goes on and, and things happen and that's where I can bring the sort of the, a bit of the humour in from there and balance the two, which was a, a bit more difficult with this one. But um, it was it was fun to write but also a little challenging at times. So it's really about the week in the life of these three sisters as they come to terms with what's happened as well as unpacking um, much of their childhood actually. And so how did this premise come to you? So my um, own mother passed away about eight years ago in um, 2015 and it was quite, as for many people, um, it was quite a traumatic event for my family and I think the events um, that came about after my mother's um, passing away really were the impetus for this book and so they sort of percolated over the years and stayed with me Um and it was wonderfully almost cathartic to be able to give some of the things that happened in my life to fictionalize them and give them to somebody else <laughs> so that was a that was a really quite almost therapeutic um uh, sort of process but at the same token um i love writing about you know taking a kernel of something that happened to me and then fictionalizing it it sort of gives me power that I don't really have in real life. 
Wow. So did you know back then or soon after then that it was going to become a novel or did that occur much later when you felt that you needed to express something about it? Uh, much later. At the time, um, I did probably about a year later, I wrote everything down because I simply wanted to purge some of the things that had happened and the conflicts. And I mean, they often say that um, there's three occasions that families tend to implode. <laughs> and one of them is weddings, mostly about where people sit or what have you, or who's in the bridal party. And the other one is um, a death in the family. And I can't remember what the third one was. I've tried to look it up, but I can't find it. But is it retirement? <laughs> it might be. It might be, actually. But certainly a death in the family can do that. Um, and in my case, um, we've got quite a close family, but, yes, certainly, um, you know, things that had been there for a long time that people swept under the carpet and, you know, it's often the case, as in with our case, that the matriarch of the family is a bit of the glue. And so when that glue's gone and you're raw at the same time, Things that um, normally you probably would have motored through quite well suddenly become almost insurmountable. So um, I did write about it about a year later just to simply purge, but it wasn't for a couple of years after that. I, th I don't think I could have written the book back then. It was still too raw and, um, you know, even to write about the grief that I was giving to these other um, characters I don't think I would have been able to write about it back then. Uh, you know, I think that would have, yeah, um, been too much. But a bit of distance and and what have you um, enabled me to do that. So um, it's something that I never thought I would have written about. But um, yeah, and and um, if you have um, fictionalized this, uh, have members of your own family kind of said, "Oh, is that that bit that that happened?" Well, that's going to be really interesting because some members have written, uh, have read the book. Um, I did send it out to um, a couple of people that I desperately didn't want them to feel that I was using things that had happened to us. Um, and, I, you know, I want to stress the fact that this is a fictionalised story and, uh, you know, but, yes, I've sort of taken some elements and used that. But anyway, so I got some really great feedback, um, but other members of the family haven't read it as yet. So on the 8th of March, um, it will be very, um, I'll be in Antarctica at the time the book comes out. So at least I'll have a bit of distance. Oh my goodness. Is that research for another book or are you having a holiday? Look, I might write one afterwards, I think, but it's actually a sort of more of a bucket list holiday. So lovely. Okay. So you are very prolific. This is, I think, your. Would it, would it be 14th or 15th book? I actually think it's 16th. Oh, my um, goodness. Okay. I know. I know. It says in the book it's my 15th, but I think I think it might be 16th. I'll have to I'll have to add them up. Yes. All right. So you will um you have written over a range of genres. You have written um fiction like this, you've written short stories, you've written young adult, mm -hmm. young adult fantasy specifically, you've written um mystery. You've written very serious topics, very light topics. Um, you've written memoir. Cast your mind with cast your mind back to before you wrote sixteen books, and um, what was the impetus to start writing books and novels? Um, actually, that's uh, 
I, I know exactly what that was. At the time, I had gone back to university to do a PhD on um, long-term effects of family violence. Um, and so I myself, it was, you know, I had very small children at the time and I had exited a rather um, challenging relationship. And so I was doing the PhD and I was interviewing a lot of women who had exited their own challenging relationships. And it was quite... Um, it wasn't traumatic because it was incredibly, like I loved doing the research, but at the same token, I would come home and it was difficult to sort of shake off the stories. And so I started writing a purely light fiction book as almost like a balance, as an escape. And on the weekends, I could sort of put to one side these interviews and the the, the doctoral work and write this light fiction book. And then at the end of it, a friend from, I was playing tennis at the time, and a friend read it, the manuscript, um, and loved it. And I don't know that I would have even had the confidence to send it into a publisher if it wasn't for her and her um, her encouragement and the fact that he was she was hanging out for the next chapter. So I sent it in to an agent. It got picked up, and then uh, I got a, a, a three-book deal with Pan McMillan. So it was really, it started off as something I was doing for myself, um, and then it turned into, yeah, 20 years later. That's awesome. But most people, if they've got a heavy-duty day job or, mm. you know, doing heavy stuff during the day, they'll, you know, go watch Netflix or something. You must have had an interest in writing. Did you as a child? I did. And, I mean, probably lucky, luckily for me 20 years ago, Netflix wasn't around, so <laughs> I couldn't get distracted that way. Um so yeah, I always have liked writing. I don't know that I ever saw it as a something that I would do as a as a you know as part of my career um, until that period of time. But I you know I, I look back and I've got a few um, half attempted books that I started. You know, usually pretty angsty ones when I was a teenager or what have you. Um, always liked it though. I've always used writing. I think as a um, uh, for myself to, you know, sort of reflect, I suppose, and also purge. I think I use writing a lot to um, give things that have happened a life outside me, if that makes sense. So it's almost cathartic for me. Yes. And so you've had a very, you've had longevity in your author career. So the great thing is you've got this great kickstart with the three book deal with Pan McMillan. After that point, what was the plan? Did you, you know, did you kind of think, oh, I need to, in order for this to continue, I need to do X. Can you remember what your plan was at the time or how how did you end up with such longevity in your author career? I don't think there was ever a plan as such. And I, one of the reasons I've written across different genres because there's been um, peaks and troughs in my writing career, as with most authors, and so um, Pam McMillan and I, for instance, parted company after I think it was about five or six books. And so there was a period of time where I was doing mostly other work, um, working in the community service sector. And then when I came back, I thought, okay, I've got to reinvent myself somehow. And I think that's where the murder mystery. So I thought I'll write something really different. And then after those ones, because the publishing company that took those ones on ended up folding not because of me, I hope, but anyway, <laughs> they ended up, you know, just one of those casualties, I suppose, of that that this sector. 
So I thought, okay, I've got to reinvent myself again. So I thought I'd try young adult dystopian for something really different. So part of the, the you know, the exploration into different genres has been to respond to dips um, where I wanted to sort of reinvent myself as a, as a, you know, not so much an author that can write across all these different genres, but perhaps a different career path. So, Yeah. Wow, interesting. So in the process of reinvention each time, what did you, because, you know, murder mysteries are vastly different to light fiction. Why a dystopia is vastly different. What did you have to do, apart from obviously writing the books, what did you have to do to acquire the skills or get into the right headspace to reinvent reinvent yourself in that particular genre? Look, that's a really great question. I um, My very early books, which I don't recommend anyone read, I think I've improved since then, <laughs> but my very early ones, I struggled to write in the first person if I didn't identify with the main character. So it took me a while and a bit of experience to be even able to write um, a character that um, was very far removed from the sort of person I am. Um, and the same with the, like the young, I'm quite clearly not a young adult. And fortunately, I don't live in a dystopian world. Um, So getting into that headspace was a bit of a challenge, more so than the murder mysteries, because at least that was an older person. But luckily for me, I think I'm an avid reader. So I tend to read um, incredible amounts of books because I just love reading. And so um, I've read a lot of murder mystery and I've read a lot of dystopian um, and my 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 youngest daughter at the time of the YA was a young adult herself and so she was often saying have a read of this one I really like this um and a lot of those were dystopian so um and she also um by that time Netflix was around and I remember her roping me in to watch a couple of Netflix series about just end of the world type things she was particularly fond of zombies though I didn't use zombies in my book um and so I think I was in that headspace um, but, yeah, it was challenging right, trying to write from a teen. I, I had to get her to read that book, the manuscript, when I finished and correct all these things that apparently, a, a, you know, a 16, 17-year-old would not say. <laughs> so how would you describe the genre of Family Baggage, your latest novel? Look, it's a really interesting question too because I, 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 it's light fiction, I think, but it's still got this serious... Um, theme within it. I don't know that it sits really comfortably in a genre. I'm doing a panel for Sisters in Crime in a couple of weeks, I think next month, and um, they're looking at it as a bit of a mystery. So it's not a murder mystery or anything like that, but there's still a mystery in terms of what the sisters having are discovering about their mother during the course of that week. And I love that loose interpretation of what a mystery is you know, it doesn't have to be a body in a library or, or you know, what have you. So I think it, it sort of sits across a number of different genres, um, but I don't know that I can actually pick one that I would, it would sit comfortably just there. Mm, I think that's um, that's great that, that books can be a little bit fluid, novels and stories can be a bit fluid like that because, um, 
you know, not everyone wants to just have that same set of tropes or that same set of parameters. Let's talk about your writing process because obviously you have must have some kind of system or approach in order to be able to have written this many books. Can you talk us through like the timeline kind of, say let's take family baggage of when you really started to write the first draft, how long it took and then the kind of its evolution after that? Family baggage is actually probably a bit different from my normal uh, the normal ones that I write because I picked it up and put it down quite a few times. And I think that was to do with the um, the writing, the rawness of the, the mother's death. Um, usually I would pick up like a, I would percolate an idea, I suppose, for a year, maybe even two years, and then I would start putting it, once all the projects are done, I would start writing it. The first 20,000 words or so I find really difficult because I'm just not invested yet um so it's not until probably about 20,000 words that I do this sort of shift and then there's nothing else that I want to do because I'm enjoying myself so much and then it might be three four months and I can finish the book off because I'm just so into it family baggage because I picked it up and put it down so many times and it started with a very different set of siblings. It started with different personalities, and I, then I swapped things around until they made sense in my head. So it probably took about a year to write, I think, from where to go. Um, but that's not really, you know, that's not that's not usual for me. And can I just say, it always makes it sound like I, I'm the most organised person when I think about how many. I'm not. I am so not organised. I mean, I'm either all in, like that's all I want to do, or I'm just not doing anything for a couple of months until something else, you know, um, tickles my fancy and I decide to start writing about it. But that's really interesting. You're almost the opposite to a whole lot of authors that I talk Mm. to because they, the first 20,000 words pour out of them and then it becomes difficult. So that's interesting that you're kind of the other way around. Right, so when you... Um, have written your first draft, what happens then in your process? Do you, how, ma- how many revisions do you do? What do you do to actually think, what what do I need to change? So what I do is um, whatever I write, um, let's say I, I do a lot of my writing at the moment on the weekends. Um, so um, whatever I write, the next day when I get up, I review what I like it gets me into the headspace if I go over what I just wrote the day before. And then I use that all the way through until the end, probably about three chapters or four chapters before the end, I'll plot, start plotting things out. Until then I don't. I just let it go. Um, it sounds a bit twee to say that sort of the characters develop and they, you know, I, I might have a, a, a an idea in my mind at the beginning of the book, but the character develops and I suddenly realise that there, there's no way that character would do that or behave that way and so things change. And then when I finish the whole thing, um, I'll go back, and this is one of the parts of the process I really enjoy actually, because I'll go back and I'm almost a reader and I'll read the book from the start and edit as I go all the way through and when I get to the end of that process, that's when I send it in to um, my agent to have a look at. And she 
might often come back and say, look, I you know, I really like it. Well, I hope she does. Um, but I just think this needs tweaking or this is a bit weak. You know, it, it, it slows down a bit here or whatever. And then when I've adjusted that, then we send it in at the moment. Um, of course, I'm being published by HarperCollins, Harlequin, and thoroughly enjoying the relationship. So I hope it lasts for quite some time. Um, they've been incredibly supportive. So we would send it in to them um, and then I would get feedback um, from them. So what is the most challenging part of of writing for you, uh, writing fiction? Was, yeah, well, the first 20,000 words, without a doubt. I've got this idea. The the first, like the initial bit, that that first, um, you know, thousand words, I, I often, I've got quite a lot of first thousands on the computer because I like writing that first bit, but it's that point until they're almost developed. It's like they're, it's too much of an, you know, embryonic, I suppose, for me to be attached to. So um, would it be safe to say then you are not a plotter because you're not, you don't know what's going to happen absolutely yeah because it often will change I don't really start plotting out until I'm um three quarters of the way through the book three quarters yeah (laughs) absolutely I'll have an idea of how where I think it's going um but like the one I'm doing at the moment um I've only just I'm up to about 60,000 words and I've only just sat down with um scrap paper and I'm plotting out now what how You're plotting in writing. retrospect. No, in what's going to happen for What's now. going to happen? Yeah. Do you bother to plot out your, uh, to, you know, uh, note, outline your scenes that you've already written? No. So that, okay, no, so you done. just plot the final, <laughs> yeah. final quarter. Okay, does that mean that at around the three-quarter mark you kind of know this is how it's going to be resolved, yeah. this is what the climax is going to be and so on? Yeah, and that's because I'm living with it. So um, I, you know, when I go to bed at night, for instance, I'll, I'll play out what I've just, and I'll often get some of my best ideas then and just hope to God that I remember them for the morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I'll say, oh, my gosh, that's going to work really well or that's going to work really well. And so by the time I get to the three-quarters mark, the characters are absolutely fully fleshed out. They're really live. They're there. They're they're acting. They're they're you know they're driving what's happening. And so that's when I get some really good ideas about how to finish it up and tie everything together. When you were writing the murder mysteries, um, I just find it endlessly fascinating that writers can write complex plots like murder mysteries where everything does really need to make sense and fit together and all of that. Um, uh, And because, you know, a crime typically needs to be solved and they are pantsers (laughs) because I just think, how does that work? So when you were writing your murder mysteries, presumably you used the same process, but did you have to do more kind of research because there was a lot, there's a lot more involved that needs to be credible and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I suppose I should mention with the murder mysteries, when I went back and did that final um, edit through, uh, there was a, probably a lot, a bit more work there. Because what happened with the murder mysteries, if I came up with good ideas, they often had to be threaded back in from the start. Mm. Um, like it might it might be a red herring or whatever had to be just so I might have a piece of paper next to me with things that I need to address when I go back through. 
So um, to do exactly what you mentioned, which is, you know, if I'm reading a murder mystery and I'm assuming anyone who's reading mine would feel the same, you want to be able to go, you know, when it gets, oh, my gosh, I should have picked that up or I remember that and now it makes sense and so that's got to be threaded through. Um, so it was slightly more um, threading and, and, you know, little theme, thematic sort of work, I suppose, from the word go. And now I've forgotten what your question was. No, about the research, yeah. Ah, yeah, to do a lot more research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's um, it was really interesting. Like I've never been in the police force, so if I brought in a character who was a police person, um, I'd have to Google a lot of, you know, how they all rely on my my expertise from watching NCIS or whatever. Um, <laughs> but even like, you know, sort of a, a body, how long does it how, do, how long can it stay out in, you know, at whatever temperature and, you know, in, insect sort of life and all those sort of nitty-gritty stuff. Um, I, I certainly have a lot more knowledge now than I did before I started those. But, I mean, I benefit, I think, from the fact that mine were light, light fiction murder mysteries. So um, I, wa- I wanted them still to be, uh, you know, not glaringly um, inaccurate, but I probably had a little bit more wiggle room than somebody who was writing a really serious one. Mm. You mentioned now you're about 60,000 words into the next novel that you're writing. So can you tell us anything about that or when it's going to be out and is it in the same vein as Family Baggage? It is. So it's in the same vein as Family Baggage and the one um, that I released in 2021, which was The Unusual Abduction of Avery Conifer. Um, so once again, um, you know, taking a couple of serious themes, but um, also having this, um, you know, straddling the fence of, you know, a bit of humour as well. So with this one, it's been really good fun to write. Um, and it's about a group of people who happen to be in a, a, a pharmacy at a certain point in time. It's it's um, set in the last year of the um, the the full on pandemic, so the with, with lockdowns and everything, and this group of um, I think there's about six people who just happen to be in this pharmacy when it they get taken hostage. So oh my goodness, <laughs> so um, there's sort of these very disparate um, group of people who are thrust together in these circumstances, plus the pharmacy assistant and the pharmacist, of course. Um, and this this um, young male who, um, for you know, his own purpose, for his he's got this objective, has um, uh, you know locked down the pharmacy and taken them all hostage. So, um, <laughs> did you have a bad experience in the in a no. pharmacy once? <laughs> okay. So this one wasn't. No, this is nothing to. I, I I don't know why this popped into my head. I just thought this would be fun. It was almost like. You know, you go through your daily life and you cross paths with all these people that you don't know and you might never talk to them or meet them or, you know, know that you know, know any more about their lives and suddenly these this group of people who have got nothing to do with each other and I've taken one character from the Avery Conifer book and one character from Family Baggage and brought them into this situation as well. Oh, um, great. I love doing that. Yeah. And so they're suddenly thrown together, but each of them have got things going on in their lives, of course. Um, and I've even thrown in a little bit of romance in there while, as you do, while you're stuck there, you've got nothing else to do, have you? So, um, yeah, it was, that was really good fun. Wow. Um, what do you enjoy 
most about writing? Gosh, I don't know that I could actually pinpoint any particular thing. Um, I like the process. I love that when I'm really invested in it and I'm really enjoying it and it's just got a life of its own and it almost, you know, I get really resentful of anything else that I need to do um, during that period and I love that. That, that That's just tremendous fun. I love... Um, you know, nowadays I enjoy a lot more the events um, when a book comes out. Um, you know, at first, I think for the first few books, I found it very, um, uh, you know, I used to get quite nervous and quite anxious about it. Now I'm sort of, I'm, I think that's because I'm a bit older now too. And I've totally accepted the fact that some people aren't going to like my writing and some people are. And, and you know, that's just the way it is. And um, I'm not as thin-skinned, I think, as I once was. <laughs> so I, I really enjoy that when a book comes out now. And finally, we always end with um, what are your top three writing tips for people who want to be in a position where you are one day and have an author career? Um, look, um, I would say be selfish. Um, I think you have to be, especially I think for um uh, women who are trying to write out there, it's often, and we saw this through COVID, of course, that, you know, that we went back to the childcare was a lot of the homeschooling fell a lot more on women than, you know, the, we see that sort of, uh, you know, gendered roles sort of rise up, um, almost immediately. So I think be selfish, carve out some time, um, that's, that's your time. Um, that would be my number one thing. Uh, another one would be, and I wish I had have done this and I didn't, I think because I fell into it sort of more accidentally, is, you know, join networks, join, um, you know, writer centres and and, and um, writing groups and as a reader as well, so book clubs, join a lot more of those sort of things because there's nothing like that that camaraderie and, and that networking and, you know, having that support base. So that would be the second one. And the third one would be... Um, don't give up. Don't let the, you know, there's a, I think some people say a division between professional writers and hobby writers, and there is none. Your professional writers were once writing as a hobby and they just happen to be, sometimes it's more luck. You're in the right place at the right time. You might be writing something that the publisher just happens to be looking for at that given point in time. Um Writing is something, I mean, you know, we've had first the, what is it, the Guernsey Pie Society book. She was in, I think she was in her late 80s when that first book was published. So never give up. Brilliant. And on that note, congratulations on Family Baggage and thank you so much for your time today, Elsa. Oh, thank you, Valerie. It's been a pleasure. Okay, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Ilsa. Before I leave you, I have a fun fact for you. Now, I feel like everyone growing up in the 1980s had a copy of Mrs. Beaton's Cookery for All or a similar Mrs. Beaton book in their household. It was one of those cookbooks that everyone had before the, you know, big celebrity chefs like Nigella Lawson and Jamie Oliver and so on, before cookbooks were as massive as they are now. So... I was surprised to discover that Mrs. Beaton herself was born in 1836 and that she started compiling her first book 
Mrs. Beaton's book of household management when she was just 21 years old. She was like a 19th century influencer. The book went on to have enormous success and has been reissued, republished, recycled and repurposed countless times with new editions coming out every few years. Mrs. Isabella Beaton sadly died when she was just 28, but she did leave an incredible legacy. What is your favourite cookbook that you just loved going back to again and again? I'd love to know. Let me know in the Facebook group. And of course, if you're not already a member of the listener community on Facebook, do join us. There's lots of aspiring, emerging and established authors and um, writers from all walks of life from all over the place. So just go to Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. I'd love to see you in there. In the meantime, feel free to connect with me on social media. I am at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, I'm in the Facebook group, as I mentioned. And um, I'm also at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writercentercomau slash news, where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more.